Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 1, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Acts chapter 1, and we continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 1, we pick up this morning in verse 4. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. And being assembled together with them, and being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized, or you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, they said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. You need to underline that. You need to highlight that and remember It's not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But in verse 8, saints, would you mind reading it with me? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Father, we love your word this morning. We thank you for it. We thank you for the power of the Spirit. Without the power of the Spirit in our lives, Lord, we could not live as you've called us to live. You've enabled us, Lord. You've given us the Spirit that we might live our lives for you. And so, Father, I pray that you would bless us now as we hear the Word, as we obey the Word, as we just sit before your presence for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Saints, would you mind lifting your hands with me? Lord, with our hands lifted up, we ask you to fill us now. In Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's people agree and said, Amen. Amen. A crusty old preacher, Vance Havner is his name. He said this, made this quote that I completely agree with. He said, listen, quote, We are not going to move this world by criticism of it, nor conformity to it, but only by the combustion in the lives ignited by the power of the Spirit of God, end quote. Isn't that true? Last week we began our study in the book of Acts, and we did quite a lengthy, might I add, introduction to the book of Acts, and we talked about the, the early Christians, the early church. We talked about these common, ordinary, listen, these common, ordinary, uneducated, untrained, blue-collar workers. Their enemies said that they turned the world 
upside down, Acts 17, 6. They turn the world upside down. How? I think because they knew what Vance Havner said, that the way to turn the world upside down is to be ignited by the power of the Holy Spirit. They knew that. They turn the world upside down without church seminars. They turn the world upside down without seminaries. They turn the world upside down without church growth. These guys turn the world upside down without buildings and buses and budgets and board meetings. Hey, listen, they turn the world upside down without a Bible. How? Because they were radically on fire, spirit-filled Christians who were conscious of the, another kingdom. And, so, and, and they're looking for that other kingdom. And they were conscious of the fact that it's really not about the buildings, the buses, and the budgets. You don't grow a church with the church seminars and the church. Y'all know how many letters and brochures I get in the mail of how to grow your church? I'm like, well, man, let me call y'all up because I must be doing something wrong. (laughs) How to grow the church. Listen, you don't grow the church. You know, we talked about this on Wednesday night. Church growth is not man's business. Church growth is not man's business. Church growth is God's business. And remember the scripture said, he added to the church daily such as should be saved. Church growth is God's business. It's never man's business. And you're not helping God by trying to grow your church. You're actually competing against him. Because the Bible says, Jesus said that the church was his church. He said, upon this rock I shall build, what saints? My church. So church growth is never man's business. And these early saints, they understood that completely because they impacted the whole world with the preaching of the gospel. They were ignited by the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember last week we talked about the book of Acts and in your Bibles it says the Acts of the Apostles. And I told you that that should better read the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because over and over and over we have the mention of the Holy Spirit. The events that are recorded in the book of Acts in the early church, they happen through the working of the Holy Spirit. And we see that right here from the beginning in verses 4 through 8. Here's your outline this morning. Taking notes, write this down. We're going to talk about the disciples were to wait for the promise. And we'll find that in verses 4 and 5. The disciples were to wait for the promise. And then secondly, the disciples were to forget their politics. Not only wait for the promise, but forget their politics. We find that in verses 6 and 7. And then thirdly, lastly, we'll talk about the disciples were to receive the power. The disciples, point number one, were to wait for the promise. We just read it in verses 4 and 5. Notice, and being assembled together with them. After Jesus rose from the grave, remember, he appeared, disappeared, reappeared, showed up, disappeared, showed up, disappeared for a total of 40 days. And one time when he appeared, he was gathered together with the disciples. And he says, fellas, don't forget, I want you to wait for, the, for, the, for what the Father has promised. You see, on several occasions before Jesus died, he taught them of what the Father promised. 
What did the father promise? Or what is the promise of the father? Well, it's simply this. The promise of the father, listen, watch this, is the promise of the indwelling or filling of the Holy Spirit. That's the promise of the father. So over and over and over again, and we don't have time to exhaust it this morning, but over and over again in the scriptures, Jesus spoke of how the Holy Spirit would come upon his disciples. John chapter 14, verse 26, you read that in your own time. John chapter 15, verse 26, you can read that also in your own time. But many, many, many times before Jesus died, he told the disciples to wait for the promise. Jesus spoke of this this event that was going to take place in the lives of believers. Don't you remember in Matthew chapter 28, I think I referenced it earlier, (laughs) Jesus told the disciples, he said to go into all the world. He said, disciples, here's your mission. Should you decide to accept it? Go into all the world, preaching the gospel to every creature. So in Matthew chapter 28 now, Jesus tells the disciples to go. But before the disciples were to go, now listen closely, before the disciples were to go, they were told to wait. Before they were to go, they were told to wait. Now, in Luke chapter 24, in verse 49, do I have that verse? I didn't have it last service, but do I have it this service? Luke 24, 49, thank you, Jesus. Look at Luke 24, 49. Jesus said, behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you, but tarry, you see that word? In the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Jesus told them to go in Matthew chapter 28. In Luke chapter 24, he says, before you go, I want you to wait for the power. I want you to tarry. Now, it's from this verse. All throughout many, many years, hundreds of years, actually, people used to have in the church what was known as tarrying services. If you know what a tarrying service is, raise your hand, would you? Good, that, that, that's 10 of y'all. All right, good, all right. Last service, it was two. A tarrying service was a time when people would come together and they would tarry for the Holy Spirit. They would wait on the Holy Spirit. After, second, after first service, this sister came up to me and she told me that she remembered when she was a little girl, she said that, that, that she said, Pastor Rodney, when I was a little girl, they used to have a bench up front. And people would, would, would come up and get on the tarrying bench, they called it. I said, what? I had never heard that before. She said, yeah, we used to get there and we used to be there for hours. Pastor Rodney, I was a little girl and we used to have to stay there for hours and it was terrible. I said, Ma, I can imagine. You poor woman. Are you damaged? And she said they had these like tarrying services. And I remember when I was a kid, I was born and raised in Philadelphia. And I remember, you know how when you were a kid, you remember the addresses and places that you used to live? Well, I remember 120 North Millick Street. And, 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 and that was, you know, when I was a kid, we grew, you know, 120 North Millick Street. And that was, that was like the hood. I grew up in the hood. What, y'all know what the hood is? Like, What's the hood? What's the hood? The ghetto. <laughs> I grew up in the ghetto. Y'all, know, y'all with me so far? Say amen. amen. All right. Y'all like all quiet. The hood. Are there any hoods in Apex? Oh, I, 
No. I think so. I'll never forget. It was like 120 North Millick Street, right across the street from where we used to live. There were these people who gathered together. And I think it was every Tuesday night. And they all wore black and white, which I just couldn't understand that. Everybody in the church, in this, and they were gathered in a house church. And I remember those people used to pray so loud and sing so loud and pray so long into the night. And they were having tarrying services. They were gathering together to wait on the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said, you are to tarry. He told his disciples to tarry in Jerusalem until you be received, until you be endued with power from on high. So they would wait on the Holy Spirit. Now listen to me and listen closely. The scriptures do not teach that we today as believers need to wait on the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that we need to wait for the Spirit, which means... That speaks of anointing. That speaks of calling. That speaks of timing. In other words, if God is calling you to go do something, God is appointing you and anointing you to move out in service, then we need to wait for the Spirit to empower us, to send us. But as it relates to waiting on the Spirit, listen, the Bible does not teach we need to wait on the Spirit. The Bible does teach, as a matter of fact, that if you don't have the Spirit of God, you don't belong to God. So the moment that you become a Christian, and you listen to me closely, it's very important for you to understand. The moment that you become a Christian, the moment that you say, Lord, I want you to come into my life, it is at that moment, according to the Scriptures, that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. If you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, you are not a Christian. Thus, this whole terminology that the church has developed of, are you a spirit-filled Christian? Somebody once asked me that one time. Are you a spirit-filled Christian? I said, duh, I'm a pastor. (laughs) Wouldn't it occur to you? So this whole thing of, you know, are you a spirit-filled Christian? Listen, watch this. Listen, listen close. The Bible does not use that terminology. The Bible does not listen. The early church knew nothing of the such. I think that's the way you say that. (laughs) Nothing of the such. No, they, they didn't know anything about that. Why? Because the early church, they understood that when you become a Christian, now, yes, were they waiting on the Spirit? Yes, in the upper room. But understand something. In Acts chapter 2, we'll get there in some millennium. In Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 2, they were waiting on the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts chapter 2, they received the Spirit. And now from that day forward, every single born-again believer, when you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are Spirit-filled. And thus, the Spirit-filled Christian, that is not biblical terminology. Now, are we to wait for the Spirit to empower us? Absolutely. But this whole concept of waiting on the Spirit, oh no, when you become a Christian, you are Spirit-filled and you receive the Spirit at that time. Now, are we in need of continual filling of the Spirit? Absolutely. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 tells us, don't be drunk with wine where in excess. Some of y'all are like, yay. 
The excess part is there. Yay. I know y'all. All right. Sipping saints. I'm not going to even ask you to say amen. I'm not going to I'm not going to ask. But the Bible says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And see, this Greek word, be filled, if you're writing, taking notes, write this down. It's in the present perfect tense. It literally speaks of a continual filling of the Holy Spirit. You know that verse could read, be ye being filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, the word filled speaks of control. It doesn't speak of quantity. Oh, we think of quantity like you take a glass and a pitcher, pour water in it, and quantity, it fills up. We need to be filled. That's not the idea there. The word filled in the scriptures speaks of controlled. In other words, be ye controlled by the Holy Spirit. Be controlled by the Spirit. You see, it's not a matter of whether you, that we, get more of the Spirit. Often we heard people praying, Lord, give me more of the Spirit. I want more of the Spirit. Lord, more of the Spirit. Listen, you don't need more of the Spirit. You got all of the Spirit you ever going to get. The day you became a Christian, you ain't going to get no more. You got all you're going to get. You are as filled and, and, and complete in the spirit as you ever are going to be. It's not a matter of you getting more of the spirit. It's a matter of you giving the spirit more of you. Amen. Lord, I, I need to give you more of me. <laughs> Enough of me and more of you. Because you, you have everything. You're filled. We need to be controlled by the spirit. Controlled by the spirit. Every aspect of our lives needs to be controlled. Every day that you get up in the morning, you know what? Take the time and say, Lord, control me today by your spirit. Every single day, get more of the spirit. Invite him to have control. Before you come to church, on your way to church, say, Lord, get, I, I need to be controlled and filled by the spirit. Before you get out there on the 440 traffic. Now you need to say amen. Lord, I don't want to have road rage. I don't want to kill nobody. I want to be controlled by the spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Every Christian in every church and everybody needs to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is controlled and the Holy Spirit is influencing your life, there's going to be joy, there's going to be life, and there's going to be light in your life because you're controlled by the Holy Spirit. So wait for the promise. Point number two, the disciples were to forget their politics. Look at verse 6 and 7 in your Bibles again. As I explained these things, Jesus, after Jesus explained these things, or as he was gathered together, and, and, and he's talking about, you know, the empowering of the Holy Spirit, they ask him, they say, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom? Now, I find that to be a strange question, actually. I think it's a little strange to me. I mean, Jesus is talking about spiritual things, talking about being empowered, baptized with the Spirit. Jesus is talking about spiritual stuff. And all of a sudden, they say, Lord... Is it, uh, you're going to restore the kingdom about this time? See, I'm convinced that the disciples, they, they had ADD. Uh, something's not right. I mean, this is like a, I mean, are you feeling, I mean, this is like a complete interruption here. I mean, Jesus is talking about, you know, spiritual things, man. 
And they go, hey, well, hey, you going to restore the kingdom at this time? I mean, it's just kind of awkward. It's just kind of weird to me. Now, you, you know, in all fairness, let me just say that in verse 3 earlier, we talked about this last week. Jesus had been talking about the kingdom of God. So, I mean, in all fairness, they could be thinking when the Holy Spirit is given, Jesus is going to give back the kingdom. That's very, very possible. But then notice in verse 7 in your Bibles, go ahead and look at it again. Jesus said, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his authority. You see, these guys are thinking of an immediate political kingdom, and Jesus is talking about a spiritual everlasting kingdom. Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times, chronos, and it's not for you to know the seasons, karyos. Over and over in the Bible, the Bible talks about the coming kingdom, but also the Bible's very clear that no man knows the day nor the hour. No man knows. And I'm amazed at how many people try to figure it out. 1843, there was a man named William Miller. And perhaps you know that name. And he took a bunch of people and they became known as the Millerites, the Millerites. And he took a bunch of people, and, he, and they were known as the Millerites. And, and he put right, white robes on them, and then they were out in the Midwest and, um, and sitting on a hill. And they were waiting for a specific date when, when Jesus would come back. This guy claimed to know the date when Jesus was going to come back. And so they're waiting, and I'm sure that they were like, yay, we don't have to pay our visa bills anymore. We don't have to pay our house payments because Jesus is coming back, so run up the credit cards and all that kind of stuff. And so they're out there waiting. And waiting and waiting and Jesus never came back obviously and they did that on five consecutive different occasions uh, these guys that you know this guy was setting dates well get this after he died his followers they put on his gravestone they wrote these words at the appointed time the end will come they wrote that on his gravestone and of course we've talked about this in the past a guy by the name of Edgar uh, Wisnet and he wrote, remember, perhaps you remember, a book called 88 Reasons Why Christ is Coming in 1988. And when, when it passed, he published a sequel, 89 Reasons Why Christ is Coming in 1989. And obviously he hadn't come yet. People date setting. Remember Y2K? People were freaking out with Y2K. Pastor Rodney, aren't you going to tell people and prepare us for Y2K? It's coming. I mean, honestly, people were like making appointments with me to tell me, you've got to prepare us. Why aren't you saying something? Y2K is upon us. And people were buying generators and beans. <laughs> Come on now, y'all. Y'all know y'all still got some of them generators. You know you do. Don't give me one of them. In case they have an emergency. You know. Folks were crazy, Y2K. And people, aren't you going to do a Bible study on Y2K? Jesus is coming. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm not. Why? Because we don't know that Jesus is coming. All we know is that we are to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know what, guys? If you've been around here, you know that's exactly what I did. Yes, I addressed it. Yes, I try to calm fears, but I'm not going to go down that path with people because, you know, I know Deuteronomy says the secret things belong to the Lord. Can I tell you something? There's stuff that you just don't know and stuff you're never going to know. Stuff's not your business to know. 
because the secret things belong to the Lord. Well, I don't want to become a Christian until I get all my questions answered. Well, you probably are never going to become a Christian because you're not going to know everything. But that's what this thing called faith is all about. We walk by faith and not by sight. We put our trust in the Lord. We put our trust in the word of God and the things that we don't know. We say, praise God anyway. God is still good. God is still great. He's still on the throne. Nothing's changing just because I don't know everything. So what? Why do you think I know everything anyway? Say amen, y'all. You don't know. The secret things belong to the Lord. And so they need to forget about their politics. And then the last and final point, the disciples were to receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Saints, we got to look at it again. Look at verse 8. If you're there, say amen. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. That word witness, by the way, is martyr. Martyr. We have the word martyr. Uh, you shall be witnesses or martyrs to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The disciples were to our final point, to receive the power when the Holy Spirit, note verse 8, comes upon you. You see that in verse 8? When the Spirit comes upon you. Now, I understand, especially in a room this size and numbers of people, when you start talking about the Holy Spirit, there are certainly mixed reactions. I mean, some people in the church, loving godly people, but they're just really into the Spirit. Some people are really into the Spirit and the spiritual things. You know, some people love the talk about the spirit they love to encounter the spirit they love to you know focus on the spirit you have been listening to salt and light a radio outreach ministry of pastor rodney finch and calvary chapel Cary, located in apex north carolina join pastor rodney monday through friday at this same time for information regarding service times you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.